Pod Friends by the one, the only, Will from America. And I am your host, the host of Pod Friends, Matt Scott. I'm also the co-host of the Wrestling Rehab with the one, the only, Mari Forth. And first and foremost, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody for just your love and support around the premiere of Pod Friends, the very first episode featuring Taryn Armstrong and my conversation with him. I, as you could tell in that interview, was just so nervous. There's all this nervous energy as we talked about anytime you start with something and create something. And um, it could it could be a lot, but it was so great to hear all of the love and the positive feedback and just um, even more than that, how Taryn's story and different parts of it resonated with you, whether that was finding your own career path and finding your path in life or feeling like you don't belong or feeling like you don't see a future. That's one thing that I love about Pod Friends is that it's really this, this place for for people, myself included, to find themselves in the stories of other podcasters. And, you know, I mentioned last week how Taryn's story, as someone who's streamed, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in the last few years, um, kind of illustrates there's so much more we could learn about people when we sit and have these conversations. And, you know, this week's guest is another great example of that because this week's guest is none other than my one and only co-host, the co-host of the Wrestling Rehab, and really, I would say the founder of the Wrestling Rehab, Mari Forth. And over the last year, we have recorded probably a hundred hours of podcast conversations over on the Wrestling Rehab Up Pro Wrestling Podcast. But the thing that's so interesting with that, um, through a hundred plus hours of conversations, through actually fifty episodes, which we're celebrating this month, um, there are so many things that we still had to learn about each other and. That's one reason I love this pod friends conversation that you're about to hear, because in it, you'll not only um, start out by hearing a little bit about wrestling, skip ahead a few minutes after the interview starts. If you want to skip over a little bit of wrestling, talk about Mari's Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling. Um, but we really dive into Mari's story and her life as a military kid to so two parents in the military, um, moving to Hawaii and then back to the Washington, D.C., Maryland Virginia, the, the DMV area. Um, our shared experiences in Catholic school as non-Catholic kids, which is really interesting and something we discovered about each other this week. And Mari's really important work on the front lines of COVID as a healthcare worker. And there's just so much more that defines Mari from being a wife and a mom and her career and her life and just how she shows up and consuming insane amounts of TV. And, you know, the thing that that really... Um, points out for me is 
this this question that I would love for all of us to consider as we listen to this conversation with Mari. And it's, you know, who is defining who you are? Who's defining your identity? And really, what are the parts of your identity? Who are you? When I think about Mari and her story, one thing I think is so powerful is that there are so many parts and, you know, she's not simply um, as, as important and valuable as it is, you know, a wife or a mom. She, she doesn't feel the need to choose and finds a way to pull in all of these passions and balance all these things that she loves. And so I'm so inspired by Mari. I love being her co-host on the Wrestling Rehab Up, and I'm just so thankful for her. So you'll hear a little bit of my thanks for her in the podcast. But before we dive in, I just want to encourage folks, first and foremost, to follow PodFriends on social media um, at HeyPodFriends. That's at HeyPodFriends on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the platforms. And one of the great things about following is that the day, about a day or so before the episode drops, you'll actually get a sneak peek into who's actually going to be on the podcast. So that's the big way that I'll be making those announcements. Another thing that I would say is that if you follow at Hey Pod Friends, you could find the form to nominate guests or nominate potential people who I could interview in the future on Pod Friends. And I just want to thank everyone who has been so gracious and submitted ideas of guests. Some of them, well, one of them, Mari, is featured on this week's episode, but some of them will come up in this first season and hopefully hopefully in future episodes of Pod Friends. Um, but if you want to fill out the form to let me know suggestions you have when it comes to other guests, other people who could be in this podcast, and it's not just RHAP podcasters, but others in our community, you could go to bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. That's bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. Do it. Do it. Take a second. You could run across the room. I know everyone, last week I said it in my intro, you probably have your phone all the way across the room. Feel free to run across the room, grab your phone, follow at Hey Pod Friends, go to bit.ly slash podfriendsnom. Let me know who you want to see on the podcast. And otherwise, if you want to get in touch, email me at podfriends at robhasawebsite.com. And, you know, it's been great to receive your email so far. And I might just read your email, part of your email on the show. I'm also excited for a Pod Friends podcast feed coming soon. So I'll let you know about that because I would absolutely love your ratings, your reviews, your subscriptions. Um, also, we could help more people find the stories of the amazing people who are part of our community who really make RHAP the special place that it is. Also, on top of all this, I want to let you know, if you are listening to my voice, that this podcast and all the Pod Friends podcasts will be available on the RHAP YouTube, robpezawebsite.com slash YouTube. Um, I am on the Reality TV Rehap Ups feed currently, but again, Pod Friends feed coming soon. Still, rate, review, subscribe, support Reality TV Rehap Ups. And finally, you know, I will absolutely encourage you to, to wait a week or two, wait until it's the first of the month to do this, but you should become an RHAP patron. I have been an RHAP patron for a couple of years now, um, and you can become a patron at robhasawebsite.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash RHAP. And, you know, I would encourage it because 
as a great example, just the other night, I played a patron mafia game with a bunch of other patrons. And if you want to see that, see how that went. Um, I don't have the best track record in podcaster mafia. So um, I was glad that I had the chance to play that game. And, you know, we have games, we have events and streams and special podcasts. And there's the patron five for five with Nicole and Rob and, you know, so many incredible things on Patreon. So I hope that you check that out too. But I think that's that those are my plugs. Those are most of my plugs. And you know, the big thing I would say to again at Hey Pod Friends on social media, you could also follow and connect with me at Matt Scott GW. But without further ado, I am going to introduce our phenomenal guest. Making her way to the podcast, hailing from the DMV by way of Hawaii. She's the co-host of the Wrestling Wrap Up, and you can hear her talking about Insecure, 90 Day Fiance. She's on Renap. She's on the Bachelorette Podcast, on the Challenge Podcast, talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. She watches everything, and she's a mom, a wife, a healthcare worker, a tourist, a podcaster, and my future amazing race partner, BuzzFeed's own, because there was that one article, that one podcast, and the EST of RHAP, that means the toughest, the strongest, the chillest, the organizedest, the rustlingest, who somehow finds time to watch it all and let us all in on it, please welcome Mari Ford. I don't know. Well, maybe the first thing I'll ask you, Mari, just to put you on the spot, name your Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling. Why do we why do we do this? Why do what we do you mean? Why do we do you, this? If if you're going to give me that question on a podcast where I can't flip it back to you and, and ask you to ask that question, that's unfair because it's so hard to do. And if any of these listeners were avid listeners, they would know what my Mount Rushmore was when I said it that one time. A we year did. ago. Yes, I will do it. I will do it. I'm just saying. Who is it? So, so the reason why we, I uh, just, Mar, I just you're always just, just dancing around, <laughs> always dancing around the questions. No, it's only because it's so hard, right? Because when you do a Mount Rushmore, it's like, do you go generational talent? Do you mm-hmm. go overall talent? Do you mm-hmm. go just how that person makes you feel? Mm-hmm. So, for me, I think my Mount Rushmore has to be. First and foremost, China, because she okay. was just one of the women's wrestlers that like I c- connected with immediately, like f- first seeing her. Like she's just such amazing, so amazing to me. And as like a tomboy growing up, I love seeing uh, China. The ninth wonder then, of the world. We love the her. The ninth wonder of the world. Okay, that's one. That's one. Then I have to go over to Trish Stratus because I have no idea what made me connect with her, but maybe it's just yeah. her charisma. Like Trish is one of those those talents that is so charismatic. Yeah, you and know, unique. And yes, and she's unique. got a lot of nerve. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> so it was just like one of those things where you know you know a wrestler is good when they can do both a be both a, a heel like a bad guy and a face. And doing both like very convincingly. Mm-hmm. And I think Trish was one of those first women that like really I felt like could do that. And I could boo and hate her when I needed to and then love her when I was supposed to. So I, that's why I, I'm a huge Trish, Trish, Trish Stratus fan. Um, second, uh, I mean, second, third, 
Sasha I'm Banks. Counting. Okay. Yeah. Just making Sasha sure Banks. she's in there. Yes. Yes. She's my current, the, she's the current uh, best women's wrestler of all time in the world right this very second. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, yep. And she was the one who brought me back to wrestling. If it wasn't for her, I would not have gone back. I would have gone into the podcasting, the wrestling podcasting game. So definitely Sasha Banks. And then finally, the last spot is kind of hard um, because, you know, there's so many women I feel like you can put justifiably put in that last spot. But I think I'm definitely going to have to go with uh, Bailey for right now, because as Sasha's contemporary, again, it was it was both of their match. It was their takeover match in Brooklyn that brought me back to wrestling. And it is, you know, a lot of people consider it the greatest women's wrestling match of all time, myself included. Some people don't. I think it was. I, um, I agree. I yeah. Agree. yeah. <laughs> so that's why I. So I'll, I have to put Bailey up there. She's a great worker too, and she, you know, again, great baby face, horrendous heel in a good way, and mm-hmm. so and I and I oh I can't wait till she comes back. So I'm gonna put the um, that's gonna be my four. And the next time you ask me in three months, it might be a different four. <laughs> you know, it's always that's the the beauty of the Mount Rushmores. They can change. See, I just fooled fooled people into listening to a wrestling podcast right now um and no i think one thing that's kind of funny about all of this is that there are a lot of people who listen who see your name who recognize you from things that are not the wrestling wrap up where we are co-hosts where we podcast together but i think the other thing that's cool is that it's not often that you get like a that you purposely get a behind the scenes kind of conversation between two people who podcast together. Yeah. Um, it happens sometimes by accident when things <laughs> aren't edited out. I'm yeah. sorry, but you're welcome also. And, you know, I, but I think it's nice that we kind of be here talking about this stuff. And, you know, I would ask you more wrestling questions, but like, just to start out, Mari, like, mm-hmm. w- w- a lot of people want to know. They want to hear from you. You are yeah, like I'm the here. mystery person who people say, <sighs> we know so much about Mari and yet we know so little. But like, mm. what is your life, Mari? People want to know. They oh, want to know. A very broad question here. That's the uh, only question I'm asking <laughs> over the course of this time together, over the course of this entire <laughs> podcast. It's like broad question. Go. Um, what is my life? Let's see. Um, where should Where should I start? Uh, well, I'll, I think one way to talk about it is mm-hmm. like, what was your day like today? I don't know what your day looks wow. like. Wow, this is <laughs> so today. It's so funny that you would uh, you oh. mentioned that. Um, I, you know, in my current job, I I'm a technical consultant, and that normally um, entails going to different facilities, different healthcare p- facilities, and helping those facilities. Um, training them on uh, instrumentation, and that was one of the things I did today. Yeah, That's I have Latanya to do Stark's word. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. What is instrumentation? Is it like so, how to use instruments of yeah, some sort? Yeah, yeah, oh. like uh, healthcare instruments. Um, <laughs> um yeah you know my my current day right here i got I, you know i gotta be a little bit vague because yes. you know well like we said we're not trying to get nobody fired for a podcast uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah like i you know um i'm on the front lines lines helping with like COVID 19 testing and 
So uh, my company gets diagnostics tests out to different um, healthcare facilities, and then I help go and train them on how to properly run the tests on like many different uh, types of um, testing and and, and um, different types of viruses, bacteria, all that good stuff. Like I I I am a, a technical consultant now, but I I originally went to school for clinical laboratory science um, to become then a medical technologist, and so. Before 2020, before I got my current job, Mm -hmm. I spent like almost 10 years in different hospital laboratories. And that's that's like my my that was my main job. Yeah. Up until just, you know, two a year and a half, two years ago. Um, And that's where like my you know, my passion is. I went to school to do that and and I did it, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. this is okay. Well, this is this is a lot to break down. So it is, yeah. the reason why is because, you know, if you're if you listen to the wrestling wrap up, you know, Mari, you Mari might sprinkle in some of her expertise as a healthcare <laughs> worker. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh even beyond that, one thing that I know that people also asked about is this whole other side as a mom. And yeah. and so people are curious about that, but like w- as someone who does not have kids, like what is that like for for you to be a mom and yeah. and be this healthcare worker? And then we'll tie in all the podcasting on all the other craziness. But yeah, like what's yeah. what's the other hat that you wear? Well, that's you know that's kind of the reason why I am no longer a medical technologist in a hospital laboratory. Mm. You know, um, when the when the pandemic hit, when you know COVID nineteen first, we went into lockdowns in March twenty twenty. I was still on the front lines in the hospital. I was working as a, a medical technologist um, and we, we, you know, we process patient blood, patient's blood. We process um, all sorts of things. If, if you ever get your blood drawn, if you ever have to pee in a cup, like oh. they, they send it to me. Call and Mari. We, yeah. And we, you know, analyze it. But when the pandemic hit, my son was, he had just turned one, like he yeah. had just turned one when everything went into lockdown. And, you know, it was very uncertain times. And then slowly, a lot of people in the lab started coming down with COVID, like very early in the pandemic. And I was just like, I can't do this. You know what I'm saying? I, I have I have a toddler at home and God forbid I bring this virus that, you know, at the time we knew nothing about back yeah. home to my family. Um and put them at risk. And I, and a lot of healthcare workers out there, I'm sure, especially our nurses, all of our direct patient care people understand this. It's like those first couple of months were really scary because we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know the treatment. Um, you know, nurses were taking it back home to to their, you know, not just nurses, but healthcare yeah. workers were taking it back to their families. And it was a very scary time. And so um, that was around the time when I started looking for another job. I, you know, I was just like, I, I can't, I don't want to risk it. And so luckily enough, I was able to find my current position around uh, July, June, July of mm-hmm. 2020. And then I transitioned in August and now I get to work from home. I get to stay remote, work at home. And that's the beauty of it because now my son is, he'll be turning three in mm-hmm. um, next month. He'll be turning three next month. And doing that job change really helped with with the mom side of things like um i i love when like listeners want to know more about my son and about my my life you know me and my husband 
uh, have been married going on six years this year. And I truly honestly can't do the whole mom act without him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can't do a podcast. I can't also work from home without him. And, you know, uh, truly he is, he is the driving force giving me this time. He's with my son right now, distracting him as mommy's upstairs. Much, yeah. You know, um, so, so as, as much as I, you know, people might want to think like I'm a super mom. It's truly not that it's just, I have a terrific partner who supports me and who supports this dream um, and, and helps, you know, especially for a very, very hyperactive, like toddler. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a little bit about me. Look, this is like, no, this is, it's interesting though, because I never really thought about like the, the, the whole, well, I I knew that 2020 was a lot for a lot of people and a lot of shifts Mm -hmm. for a lot of people around March. But then I even think about, you know, you having the the new job and then of course, becoming part of RHAP like it really sounds to me like that June July 20 period was a big shift but yeah I'm sure we'll go like we'll go way back we'll talk Mm -hmm. about how we both happened to go to Catholic school growing up and all those other things but like (laughs) what was that um that point in your life like because you like the rest of us who are part of the class of 2020 had to make the decision to apply and Mm -hmm. I mean if I was in kind of the place that you're in where so much is just like in motion, maybe I wouldn't have done that, but I'm so curious, like what motivated you to actually apply? And then what was it that like actually being chosen for the class of 2020? Yeah. I mean, like, right. Like pure chaos was my life for like a good (laughs) three months. So I I've said this, I've said this story on every podcast that I've ever been able to be on. Um, but Lita Broman, she, um, had posted about, you know, needing more diverse, uh, voices in podcasting and, um, how she wanted to help bring more voices to podcasting. And I, I saw that tweet because I had, I had dabbled in podcasting. Like me and my friends had this wanted to try and start a podcast, you know, but you know, I just didn't have the time or the production skills to do any of that. And, but I did know it was something I wanted to do. So I reached out to her and then it was like that same week or two that Rob had then put out the call for the class of 2020. And she was like, Hey, yeah, do this, fill this out if you want, want to do it. And so I did, I saw the post, I commented done, you know, I saw Rob, you know, liked it and, you know, I signed up for it. And then it was just so funny because when we had our interviews for it, right. I was unemployed. <laughs> like, cause I, yeah. um, I basically, uh, had, qu- I quit my job knowing that I was going to start my next job. You know what I'm saying? So we were, at my at my husband's mom's house just you know chilling I didn't have a job um us being there she was able to help out with my son we could you know all help out and my husband was still working um and he works remote too so he can work from anywhere so we were just there for a few like a a few weeks to a month waiting until my new job started and I had to do the the interview from his childhood bedroom um <laughs> about drag race you know and i after that interview i was like i felt good about it you know you always feel good about it but then 
you just never know. You Do know you what remember you, who was there, by the way, oh, yeah, off the top definitely. of your head? Because I remember De- it being a lot of people. <laughs> it was it was Rob, Amon, and Liana. And oh, okay. It, yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm, it was the uh, it was the Drag Race podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I had because um, at the time when I applied, All Stars Five was on. So um, when they asked for the hottest take, I talked about how a lot of the POC queens are, get the villain edit, like the mm-hmm. very unforgiving villain edit, and all of that. And um, that was my like my hot take, and and I I entered it as drag race, you know, from a drag race point of view. But you know, I made it clear on my on my um application i watched literally everything yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> i actually did come away thinking i was like do they understand that i also watch a lot of other stuff so um getting that call to do the all stars 22 cast assessment was like crazy and then i think me and chantels was the first ones to drop wow. and it was just like you know it was just life changing really um and it's just, you know, we were picked out of so many, so many people who applied. And I'm so grateful for that. I always have been. And Rob knows we, we, we say we're grateful to him every <laughs> single chance. I think he, he's tired of hearing it at this point. He probably is like, just shut up and stop yeah. talking about how grateful you are. I get yeah. it. I get it. But don't make me cry. Yeah. Um, so it was a total, it was a complete like, um, sh- like a, just a leap of faith. And uh, I don't. I don't know if Matt, Matt, I don't think you know too much about me, but I'm a very, when it comes to stuff like this, I'm a very practical person. Like yeah. I am a, I'm a tourist. I do not like change. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so it's like to change jobs, apply for this podcast thing and just be like up in the air for even the, the month that I was up in the air for yeah. it for me is very hard. Yeah. And I'm so grateful that all of the times that I I have taken leaps of faith like that is worked out. And um, I'm glad this one did because it was, it was literally life changing every, everything, this and changing jobs was life changing. Yeah. That's so interesting to hear. I mean, especially from, from my perspective too, because I have my own view of number one, like joining the class of 2020 and probably very mm-hmm. different from you, like to contrast our, maybe <laughs> our personalities, but also just like how we approached it. I actually remember seeing the post, the tweet from Rob. Mm-hmm. It was like, after I happened to post a video to Rob on social media, that was actually just like thanking him because there was um, Island, Island of the Idols, which was obviously horrible yeah. and everything <laughs> there. And I remember I appreciated like, again, you know, from like my background in sexual assault, I was like, wow, mm-hmm. Rob did such a great job bringing in experts and talking about that. And then everything happened with George Floyd. And Rob mm-hmm. was just like very, very much handling in a way where I was proud to still be a listener. And mm-hmm. like as a black person, too, I remember having this thought of like, oh my god is he gonna let me down like are we, <laughs> yeah. are we gonna have to stop listening to like this podcast network i've been listening to for years um, and that wasn't the case and so i remember kind of giving that shout out to robin like making a little iphone video posting it and then the cl- class of 2020 thing came out and it was literally like eleven fifty six p.m the day of the deadline where i was like crap i have three minutes and i need to oh. get this in so that was me that's how i ended up here wow. which is like the contrast <laughs> Big contrast. Like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> Class of 2020, we're both mm-hmm. accepted. Um, there are 
a million people in this class of 2020. Like everyone you see is in the class of 2020. Um, But obviously some people are still around and others aren't like, Mm -hmm. what was that process like for you? Because let's say that there were 50 people from the class of 2020 who were talking about big brother. Like, did you, how did it feel doing these podcasts about big brother? Did you, yeah, I, I'll just stop there because yeah. I don't want to like put my experience no, no, no. on you, yeah. even though I know that you're you're good. Yeah, and the good thing is, like, I also should probably make it clear I was a RHAP listener. Like, the funny thing yeah. is, yeah, yeah, I you know I didn't start as far back as some of y'all, but I, I think I've said it on a few few posts. I started listening right after uh, BBOTT for BB nineteen. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I think. I, I think one reason that, you know, if, if we're going to assume, I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but I, I think one of the reasons why I love doing the Big Brother coverage, um, and I feel like people might like hearing me do the, the Big Brother I coverage. I like hearing you do it, so that's all that you need to know. Is, is because um, I've, I try to be as authentic as possible um, when doing the coverage. Um, and I always try to um, give my perspective of what I'm interpreting when I'm watching uh, BB. And, you know, we just so happened, we came in during the all-star season and we all know that all-star season was incredibly problematic. Trash. You know what I'm saying? There was just so many, yeah, there was so many things that constantly needed to be addressed. Yes. <laughs> it felt yeah. like, um, and, you, you know, I have no problems with um, speaking my mind uh, yeah. <laughs> of, of explaining my experience to people who may not understand it because I, I am one of those people who like agree. I, I don't mind educating people, but there's, you, you know, we both work in this like type of field where we know where you can educate somebody and you can feel like you're being listened to and you feel like you're being heard and you don't feel overwhelmed in doing it. And then we, I'm pretty sure we both have a line, you know, everybody has a line where it's like, okay, it is not my job to make you understand this. And I think we do a beautiful job of, of, you know, being open to teaching while also, you know, if, if we're not feeling it, we're not feeling it. So I think a lot, I think, that's why a, a lot of people may resonate with that because I, I truly do. If I say it on a podcast, I mean it 125%. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. And I, I'm not backing off of that. And that's just, that's just truly how um, I, I, I love the podcast. And, you know, I, I've gotten comments where it's like, I like to break down. I'm a strategy person. Like I do like strategy, like Karen, but I am an emotionally uh, strategic player as well. Right. So um, I feel I and I feel like bringing that emotional side and 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 understanding how these characters, they're characters on a TV show, but they're also still people. And especially when it comes to very serious issues, how that can affect your gameplay should always be considered. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, sometimes the move that you consider is right for that person in that house might not be right for that person in that house for the way that they are feeling and how people make them feel. And um, that is a valid, you know, emotions and feelings are valid in games that are, are social strategic games, you know? So um, I just love, I love podcasting about BB. It is literally one of my favorite shows of all time. I've been watching it since I was what, like, uh, I want to say like 14. And then I went back, of course, and binged them all. Um, I was on the online forums trying to get the oh, live nice. feeds. Yeah. I, you know, before I could have afford, to, I couldn't afford to, 
to watch them. I had to just have people, uh, you know, type them out and tell me what happened, you know. Back when the feeds were in black and white, of course, back in yeah. the day on the, on the horse and buggy. Um, <laughs> wait, I'm, I, I want to yeah. interrupt and kind of dive no, yeah, in I'm deeper sorry. because mm-hmm. no, it's you're, you're starting to kind of paint this picture of you growing up as a, as a fan. And I think that it's, it's, so interesting to think what it is that makes us kind of like the weird people who watch way mm-hmm. too much TV, who mm-hmm. really prob analyze slash overanalyze. I think we properly analyze the shows that so we too. watch. But like, you know, what what was it like for you growing up? Um, I have no <laughs> clue how much of a how much of a role this plays, but like we both mm-hmm. have in common that we went to Catholic school growing yeah, up. And so I have not thought about how that has affected me, but like, yeah, what is, how, how is your upbringing? Well, what was your upbringing like? Like, where was it? What were some of the things that stand out, but also um, how did yeah. it make you who you are today? Um, So I'm a military brat. I, I, I mm-hmm. said this before I am, I am a, a military brat. Not only that, but both of my parents were in the air force. So both my mom and my dad were in the Air Force. So, you know, I moved around a lot as a kid, but nowhere near as much as some people, because I I don't think a lot of people realize when both your parents are in the military, you don't move as much as Hmm. opposed to one parent being in the military. So like, for instance, if my dad ever had to, my dad would have got stationed in so many places when I was, when I was a kid, I think right after I was born, he was stationed in Korea. Um, But we didn't go to Korea because my mom works in the air force and we needed to stay in Vegas so she could do her job. So it was a lot of that. It would be um, my dad would go to Korea for a year. I remember he was stationed in Guam at one point. My mom was stationed in Italy when I was like around 12 or 13 for a year. And you don't get to go when both your yeah. parents are there. You just stay with the one pa- the parent that's stationed. And so, what happened was, you know, I was born in I was born in Vegas. We stayed there for four years, and then we came. We moved to Washington D.C. And I spent I I I was in Washington D.C. from ten from six to ten, from four to ten. So for six years, mm-hmm. and this is where I was scarred for life because oh, maybe this might be your your ministry as well but dc has had very bad public schools back then Mm. still probably today and so um when i was in second grade i was only there from second grade to fourth grade second third and fourth and that's in it was enough to scar scar me for life i I had to go to catholic school because (laughs) i was the only schools that were good enough in the area you know yeah and by the way i had like my with my so I, because I had, I had three older, or I have three older siblings, but had mm-hmm. three older siblings growing up. So like my oldest sister went to the public school where we're from. My parents were like, nope, like, nope. and we're not even <laughs> Catholic. They were just like, we're putting you in that school Us because either. we know that that education will work out. And so I was like, okay, that's life. That's what it is. But yeah, similar pattern, similar yeah. pattern there. They- and I think part of it too, I will say is like my dad, while while like in my while I was while I've been alive he 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 was never in the military or in the army but he was in the army like before I was born Mm. like way before I'm having Mm -hmm. a family too so I don't know it's funny seeing the different patterns and things repeat but it's it's also funny because like we've literally in the last year spent a hundred hours podcasting and it's like all these little details we're like oh wait what we have that in common what (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And it's funny because, yeah, people don't realize like Catholic school may give you a great education, but the religious trauma is like still there. <laughs> always will be. And it's even yeah. worse if you're not uh. Catholic because it's the same thing, Matt. I don't know if your school did this, but um, y- when you're a Christian going to a Catholic school, not only did I'm pretty sure we had to pay more. To, oh they had they had to pay yeah my parents had to pay more my mom told me no. this later they had to pay, pay more than what a catholic stu- student would pay wow. to go to that school because you're technically taking a, up a spot for a catholic student yeah but then the religious trauma starts because you know you can't take communion yeah. um, i don't yeah right so you're so just you, sitting there you're just sitting there exactly <laughs> but that's like underdeveloped brain like that i don't yes. so what how old were you when you started going to catholic I, school by so, this math I was um I was seven. It was seven. it was seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, when I went to a Catholic school, okay. and for me, it was all of the kids who are who are not Catholic. You can't part- participate in communion, so you have to sit there and watch while everybody goes and does communion, and they basically tell you you are going to hell because you're not Catholic. And all of the kids that are sitting there is only about six of us. Most of us are black. Like it's all of the black kids. Like, yeah, I was gonna like, say <laughs> it's me, another black dude, and two sets of girl twins who are my friends. And there was my. I think I remember there was one white guy. I don't know why. I don't know his situation, but it was it was all of us. All of the black people were. That's the only ones such who a good Catholic. point. And it's yeah. good point. And it's, it's the type of thing too where I don't. I can't tell you why, but you know, a few weeks ago it crossed my mind. I was like, why didn't they just have us? Like you know walk up you know maybe say hi shake a hand yeah. high five like yes. hey how's everyone else doing with the communion is it, is it working it working out great but yeah there was, <laughs> there's a ton of trauma that probably comes from so that where trauma. it's like you just kind of get used to it like i yeah i literally the odd person think, out yeah mm-hmm. but you're just like hey i guess i could the way that i think i kind of looked maybe i look at it now which is maybe more of a positive is like okay, you're sitting back and you're observing and you're taking it all in. Like I knew mm-hmm. the Catholic service, the Catholic church service at the time, like the back of my hands, like probably better mm. than anyone else, just because I would sit there and take it in. It's like, okay, now here's the time where everyone gets up. So I'm going to stand up and like, let them all go out of the aisle and, yeah wow totally opposite uh the only good thing about catholic (laughs) mass which we had to attend every wednesday was that it was only like an hour yeah and for me like oh i wasn't having a great time yeah (laughs) but you paid attention my mind was racing it was Mm. racing it was constantly i don't know what i was thinking about as a kid it was everything but what was happening in front of me you know um it, it i it is very, very triggering, you know, yeah. um, and you don't realize it. You don't you truly don't realize it until you're, you know, out of it and, and how how horrendous you, the bullying it. They're still bullying there, you know, at, yeah. at Catholic schools. It, it's still it's still bad. And then even and then they threaten corporal punishment there, too. So it's oh. like if you're bad, there's the paddle. It's right here. Those nuns can hit you with the paddle, you know. It's very shame filled, you know, but we're not going to we're we don't have to get into that. But the biggest thing is yeah. we left, you know, I, I left after fourth grade and that's when I ended up in Hawaii and I was in Hawaii from 10 to 16. And that was a, like a huge experience for me. Um, and I, I think I truly think it shapes the way I live my life now, because first and foremost, as a military kid, your friends are coming in and out of your life. 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when you live on a military base, when you when you go to a military school or a school that's 90 percent military kids, unfortunately, you don't get to keep friends. And yeah. so you have to constantly make friends. And so I, I'm such a person where I, I love my friends and I hoard my friends and I'm still friends with people I've been friends with for 20 plus years. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's how intense I am with my friendships, but also it made me be able to make those connections quickly and then understand if, you know, if something happens, you, you know, you got to go, you got to um, enjoy the time you have with them. Yeah. But it also, Hawaii is a melting pot. I was on Oahu. We were, we were, um, we were um, in Hickam Air Force Base is where we were, where we were stationed. And it truly is a melting pot. People say America is a melting pot. Yeah. Hawaii is the true melting pot because wow. of all of the militarization, the unfortunate colonization of of a whole people Shut and all out. of that. Um, yeah. But I truly had friends of all different cultures and backgrounds, and being black in that um, in that environment was so fun and interesting. But the funny thing is. Um, the only black culture that some of us black students had in Hawaii was what we saw on TV is what we saw on BET is what we saw, which is really absurd in in a way um, because it wasn't until we ended up back in Maryland um, when I turned 16 that I was like, uh, this is not how I thought black people acted, you know, when I came back to Maryland, like, you know, it's so, it's just so funny um, how that, how that works. But um, Hawaii uh, truly um, changed my life. I I have, I said, my best friend is, we still rock together. We, we live close to each other and, you know, uh, you know, that that's my soulmate for my friendship. And it's just, I'm so glad I had that upbringing because I got exposed to so many different people, like just literally so many people. Um, So that was such a great experience growing up. And then coming back, coming back to Maryland was probably the hardest transition I've ever made in my entire life, you know, because I left in the middle of high school. You know what I'm saying? I, I had my freshman and sophomore year in Hawaii. I had already had friends that I've had for years. And then I come to Maryland. I know nobody. I'm a junior. And the sucky thing is because in Hawaii, I was I was already taking AP classes. I had already, I was a very smart kid growing yeah, up. Clearly. And we, yeah, clearly. We know. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great. I had great grades, but a lot of the credits didn't transfer over. So when I came to Maryland, Uh -uh. I basically had to take all ninth grade classes because I didn't take the required Maryland state like freshman classes. So most of my junior year, I was around people I was older than I I I was like, oh, charm, help me now. And, (laughs) you know, that that school was literally it was half and half. It was was half. It was half white people, half black people. And. Mm. I truly was like, I don't know what's going on here. It was like a culture shock yeah. for me. You know what I'm saying? Like um, just being back in, in Maryland. And so um I just made some friends my sophomore year, but it was hard because of my classes. But by the time I got to senior year, I was in all AP classes again. I was in all <laughs> classes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every single class, six AP classes um, wow. my senior year. 
And so I was with people who were my age and, you know, that's where I made like the friends that I have today that I text to talk to every yeah. day are still, I got from senior year. Um, but it was, that was like my hardest transition truly. Um, and I'm just glad I w- I used some of my gumption from <laughs> uh, learning how to, how to connect with people. And one of the main ways was TV, you know? Yeah, wait, I was going to, I was, I'm so fascinated because you kind of mentioned, you know, back in Hawaii Mm -hmm. with the perception of what black people are being reality TV. Like who were some of those characters or what were some of those shows that you were seeing at that time? I'm trying to like do the math, but also think back culturally. Yeah, the funny thing is back then, back in Hawaii, like I didn't watch a lot of reality TV. You know, mostly because a lot of people might not know this, but you know, Hawaii is six hours behind Eastern time. Yeah, six six full hours. So we didn't get some of the channels. Like um, I remember we used to we we used to get UPN and then we didn't get UPN Ooh. right and that was not a big hit back then too I'm telling you and we used to like I said we got it so I used to watch like girlfriend sister sister what you know whatever half and half yeah. whatever was on there I can't remember now and then we lost it for like I want to say it was a year or two and then we got it back and I don't know if you remember but at um I think at one point wrestling was on one one of the channels that we lost as well. Yeah, I think um, like SmackDown might have been on Smack, UPN, yes, but then it yes. was on the CW, and they kind of yes. did this flip. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I lost like like two two years of SmackDown when it was in the SmackDown Six era. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see that. I was still watching, but unfortunately, I had to only watch Raw, which was during um triple h's reign of terror so Mm, yeah exactly exactly but so when it finally came back they're like okay you get upn but it's at eastern time so if i wanted to watch anything yeah if i wanted to watch anything at eight o'clock like the eight o'clock time uh, period it would be at two o'clock it would, you know it'd be at two o'clock during the middle of the day when i was still at like track practice you, you know? mean you didn't have like a little um you didn't have a, a vhs to record over when you <laughs> no. were there no exactly see no, that was it. where you missed out because yeah. there's a vhs somewhere it might be in the trash it might be in like <laughs> a box in my mom's house or something but um i recorded over that so many times for like wrestling Dang, and would just watch yeah yeah my, it was the same time too around that same era i was kind of a you know I was, we were latch i grew up as latchkey kids yeah. because both of my parents were working you know Dang, and then yeah probably at yeah at this point my parents were also divorced so i was always um i was always i was always in sports and with in hawaii you can do year-round sports so i got to do every sport that i wanted to do without having to pick yeah so like um, so how are you not in the olympics right now because um <laughs> i would need i needed a break i'm like because, glad that i grew up in like new jersey where it's like oh it's getting too cold i guess soccer season's over yeah. like that was a good that was much needed and probably why i don't do sports like that now the funny but, reason yeah. is is because i i left hawaii so um yeah. like for fall i would do bowling i would do bowling until track started you know um i'm sorry until softball started right mm-hmm. so softball was in the was in the winter for us because 
we could play softball during the winter. Yeah, softball was during like, it was October through December, then like a little bit of January. Yeah. Did you just play other teams in like, were you just playing other teams on Oahu or like, did you even go to like other islands to play teams? So, so um, for softball, we played other teams on Oahu. The the problem is we went to a school where it was 90% military. So (laughs) our shortstop, uh, my ninth grade year was not the same shortstop our 10th grade year. But then we would go and play teams around the the island who were actually like what we call local teams. Like they were actual local Hawaiians. We would go to Kaneohe. We'd go to Pearl City. And these would be teams where they had been playing softball together since they were seven. And we would get our butts whooped. Like (laughs) when I tell you, we would get our butts handed to us day in and day out my 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 um uh freshman and, and sophomore year of of softball uh we won two games and that was the lo- not only it was back to back so it was the longest winning streak we've ever had and it was the most games we had won in 4 so years in 4 years so and i two was games. good yeah two two games and and i was good i was good on that team don't i was great we had really bad pitchers we the t- again there was no team cohesion i actually made it to varsity i would have made it to varsity i made it to varsity at the end of my sophomore year um and then i had to leave and then the coach the coach didn't know that and he said if he would have known he would have bumped me up that the whole year i was like oh. okay well anyways um and so uh and with track i i was actually a state champion we were state champions in track like um for Hawaii, I, I came in third in the women's um, 100 meter dash and in, in track when I was in Hawaii. But like, you know, the moment I moved, first off, I had to, I had to, I had to choose between track and softball because they're the same season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I couldn't even get on sophomore softball my junior year because you know the the girls who are already there from the three previous years had taken up all the slots so I wasn't even able to get on the team until my senior year because they finally like they had eight seniors that graduated so and then they had like five JV girls that were moving up so they had like I think they had two two or three extra spots for walk-ons and I was actually able to walk on then Mm -hmm. I completely like sprained my ankle in the second game of the season trying to steal home and was out for the rest of the season um yeah and became the man I was the manager for the whole season so it was just like that is the biggest thing about moving in the middle of a high school career for like you know people who have to do it like everything gets disrupted like like I told you my grades and my classes got disrupted my um my athletics got disrupted so you know, I had always, I, I, you know, I always wanted a scholarship for academics, but having a softball one would have been great as well. Cause that was my, that was my main sport was, was softball. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious, like thinking about this, did you, I mean, obviously like, I mean, and, and unfortunately like with women's sports too, like there's, but even with the sports that you've mentioned, there mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily like a route to go be like the, a, a professional softball yeah. player for your career. You don't for your life. Do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, like when you were at that point in high school, you mentioned mm-hmm. being in Maryland, like 
what was that? Did you, did you see yourself going down that healthcare path or like, what was it that you kind of saw for yourself going forward? Yeah. The great thing was while I was in Hawaii, right. My school had, um, they had career days, right. Career fairs. And so I remember my career fair in sophomore year, you know, you sign up for things. It was one of those things where you kind of sign up for things and then you could kind of just like wander around. But the main thing I signed up for was like FBI profiler. And I was like, I've always loved. Yeah. CSI. That would be a good fit for you. Well, well, here we go. I mean, you're basically, um, (laughs) you basically are one. Um, Loki, Mari works for the FBI. (laughs) So I did like the FBI profiler, what class or the FBI. And I was like, man, I love this. And then my next class was um, medical technologist was the career day. And I've always been good at math and science. Like math and science were always my, my strongest subjects. But I always knew I didn't want to be a doctor. Like, I just didn't feel like going the whole doctor route. Maybe I might have a little bit of regret about that now. But, you know, 12 years of schooling isn't for everybody. Um, But when you're a kid and you say you like science, it's literally the only thing they say. You're like, oh, go be a doctor or a nurse. Well, I don't want to be a doctor and I don't want to be a nurse because I like people, but I don't like cleaning up after people (laughs) as Mm -hmm. like a nurse, you know? And so I just kind of, never understood what I was going to do. I loved biology. I, I knew I loved biology. I, I loved the, the, how the human body worked and all that. And I just happened to walk into the medical technologist um, career day. And it was a, yeah. it was an air force uh, medical technologist. And all he did was he brought slides on like a, a, that he projected. And he was like, this is what urine crystals look like. This is what parasites in your blood look like. This is what, yeah, it, he Freaky. was just, it was, but it was the coolest thing to me. Wow. And he, yeah. And he explained how, like, yeah, if you look at this, you know, blood slide, if you look right there, that's malaria. You can tell that's a malaria in that person's blood. You can see that ovum there. And it was just mind blowing to me. It was like yeah. he had a slide of like trichomonas for all my science nerds out there. They don't know exactly what I'm talking about or giardia, which is uh, from vaginal swabs and, and urine. And it was, so cool to me and I was like this is what I wanted to do and it's what I I knew I wanted to do at 16 and I was very lucky knowing that because like I said I graduated with really good grades um and I've always wanted to go to an HBCU yeah I grew up thinking I was going to go to Spelman I had a Spelman shirt when I was 10 um I I yeah I thought I was going to go Spelman um but then we moved to Maryland my mom was like, well, you know, what about Howard? And I was like, no, lady, you just want me to be close to you. Right. I don't want to be close to you. I want to go to college somewhere far. I would have cut it out just for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Howard is 40 minutes away from where we lived at the time. And I was like, no, no. But then um, I started looking into medical uh, clinical laboratory science programs, which is the same medical laboratory scientists, clinical laboratory science. It all leads to a um, med tech degree. and Howard actually had one of the best uh, clinical laboratory science uh, programs in the nation, like legit. I don't even think she knew that, to be quite honest. She didn't. And and Spellman didn't. Spellman just had a biology at the time, um, which um, I was I I don't want to offend biology majors, but Uh that that major is it's too broad. 
and it's a time waster, to be quite honest. Um, Ooh, at at Mari talks too yeah, much. I mean, do like the number two. But they two. know it. Biology majors know it. Like, <laughs> I mean, y'all I agree. know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I was like, dang it, the lady might be right. <laughs> and I'm yeah. really, I'm so close to my mom. I'm really, really incredibly close to my mom. Literally, because um, you went to school with it. I did. 40 minutes I, of her. Yeah, it, it it was a program that I was like, oh, now I got to give it a shot. But then yeah. it was stepping foot on campus that made me be like, oh, no, this is where I absolutely need to go. That's like stepping, funny. yeah, stepping foot on Howard's campus for the first time was just like it all clicked. Just seeing yeah. so many black people, different black people just you know, excelling it, you know, we call it the Mecca for a reason, you know, and I was like, damn, I got to go here. And so, and I applied early, I got in. So no, I, um, I wrote, it's so funny because like my dad went to Howard back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but because of that, like, I love DC. I spent so much time in DC, but here's the thing. My dad went to Howard, no matter what he said, I couldn't go to Howard. I wasn't going to go to Howard. Really? He went because he went to Howard. I can't. I was mm-hmm. like, no. I I'm a, I'm a Taurus, a stubborn Taurus. So there's that. My <laughs> we have others, that in my one of my older sisters went to American University. So I was mm. like, eh, not gonna. I'm not even interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up at GW because I was like, well, they they take me. They they want me here. Um, and they need black people. And it was only. <laughs> Sadly, and this is one of the things where I look back and I'm like, damn, I kind of wish I went to Howard because like the 6% black versus like Mm -hmm. actually getting to like be with black, a lot of really talented, incredible uh, Mm -hmm. black people was just unmatched. But I need to ask you, Mm -hmm. speaking of matches, you were a wrestling fan. (laughs) Did at any point, did you, did it cross your mind that you could be a professional wrestler or that you should be a pro wrestler no never (laughs) you you know um wish it was a yes no it never was which is kind of funny because i i definitely was like a super athlete like back yeah like i said track i had abs because of track because i did hurdles as well i did um hurdles when i was in track when i was in Mm -hmm. track and um but it never crossed my mind only because i had gone in and out with wrestling when the funny thing is when when i moved to maryland i was definitely back in it because my first year i'm not gonna lie i was a loner all i did was get really good grades and watch tv and it was also i i kind of shared this on the uh, top 40 it was also how i got into survivor yeah um because i was doing absolutely nothing and um i found the outdoor channel and they were replaying the survivor so i, I didn't get into survivor until i moved to maryland you know mm-hmm. um but i i never thought of it and 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 then also this was around the time this was right around uh Eddie dying and then yeah. Benoit dying and it was just it was like too much you know and then by yeah. the time I by the time I went to college it was you know I was no longer really paying attention you know 2002 to 2008 is the ruthless aggression era which yeah. is you know in my heart and 2008 started the PG era and that's when I like tapped out for what mm. six years you know yeah. Um. so yeah you can blame Howard. 
Well, I mean, speaking of of Howard and uh, uh, black, I don't know how to say with black people things. Maybe yeah, there we go. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm like even curious about your experience as a as a black woman in the wrestling fandom because, mm-hmm. like, for me growing up, I didn't. I can't really think of too many experiences where it felt like like race specifically was a factor as a black man because like growing mm-hmm. up in New Jersey whether going to indie shows or like I I I was I I grew up within a 15 minute drive of Newark too so it was one mm-hmm. of the more diverse parts of New Jersey and so like I kind of just felt like I fit in even though wrestling was still wrestling and kind of like weird to people but yeah. You know, for like, what was that experience for you? Like, I mean, and maybe the bigger piece of this is like being a woman within the wrestling fandom. But I'm just curious, like how those things intersected, because I know how much you love Sasha Banks, Naomi, Mm -hmm. a ton of other black women in wrestling. Like, just curious where that started. I can definitely say like it didn't start till recently. And that's, you know, with the rise of social media, you know, like actually like examining my place in the fandom because you know growing up as a kid one of the reasons why I even got into wrestling was because I was just trying to impress a boy I like when I like in the fifth grade you Mm -hmm. know by knowing all these wrestlers and I just so happened to watch both WCW and WWE on accident and and in Hawaii wrestling was a big big deal and me and my little brother we would you know we watch and then we would fight each other and then my mom would have to beat us you know what yeah. I mean? like yeah. but like it was so fun you know in hawaii but the uh just the sidebar they never came to hawaii like the live events yeah they never came they only came like they would come once every two or three years i think and that wasn't until like i was leaving i think they had came twice right before we left and i couldn't go either time because i was 15 and nobody would take me yeah um but like it wasn't and then when I got to Maryland I had I actually there were friends there's some guys that I would talk to about wrestling um literally we talked about nothing else we'd have we'd only have a few classes and the only thing we would talk about would be wrestling uh mm-hmm. together so shout, shout out to them they they would know who they were if they were listening um and then it wasn't until I came back like after I I, I left off and I came back in 2014 that's the main area where i'm i'm constantly evaluating my fandom because i'm on social media and social media is where with wrestling it's you know with quote unquote if you want to call it the reality era now that's where all of the action is if you want to know behind the scenes gossip if you you know you curate your bubble like i've done a good job on twitter of curating my bubble for wrestling fans specifically a lot of black women wrestling fans i've found a lot of good um follows and mutuals like that and i have to curate it because uh if we're truly talking about my place in the fandom you you as a black woman you do feel like um at least with the fans you you feel like they don't they don't want you here that you don't belong all the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it, it, they, I mean, they had a, I don't know if you remember, but they had a Twitter spaces about why black women suck. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was a whole Twitter spaces about stuff like that. So you're constantly fighting for your position in the fandom and people questioning your, um, your, who you like and your, your takes and stuff like that. Like, um, a good follow uh uh on wrestling twitter um 
I can't say their handle, but everybody, if you know Taryn on wrestling Twitter, uh, T-A-R-Y-N. Oh. <laughs> she, yeah, she's a it's great like, wait, follow. Taryn? Yeah, no, no. He was just Alan. on this podcast. <laughs> she, she's a great follow. Taryn. And you can tell, like, when women tweet an opinion about wrestling, the pushback is so ridiculous. It's yeah. constantly like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you just watch it because the guys are hot. Like, it's constantly belittling yeah. of your opinion of wrestling. Like, you, like I can be a, a women's wrestling fan. I can talk about how hot Roman Reigns is, but I can also talk about how good of a Canadian destroyer Bad Bunny did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, it's not mutually exclusive, you know? And then those, like, you'll see those same fans where, like, if a man tweets something, an opinion, especially an opinion that's like the, that's not a it's an unpopular opinion that many of us might think agree with, but they tweet it. It's all like, man, I don't agree with you. I, like, I don't agree with that take, but you know, it's your right. It's, you know, you right. have, you can have your opinion. I can have mine. It's like, Oh, so they get the civility, but then we get attacked for having exactly. literally the exact same take. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to put down all of the, what we call the IWC, the internet wrestling yeah. community or anything right. like that, because you know, if this doesn't apply to you, then you know, it doesn't apply to you. But um, I think one of the, not I think, I know one of the main reasons we created the Wrestling Rehab Up is to create a more inclusive, diverse um, space for wrestling fans and, you know, um, fans, casuals, whatever. And I'm so glad we get to do that because, you know, it's only now are we seeing more inclusion not only on the screen, I think seeing the more inclusion and diversity in wrestling itself yeah. is helping with the fandom being more inclusive and diverse and hopefully being more accepted there, you know, there will always be a patch of people who will always think they're the right. They're the key demo. You know what I'm saying? That wrestling caters to, but you know, we're here and we're going to take up space and but, we're going to do it loudly. Yeah. And and that, but the, the thing that's so beautiful about that, and obviously you see these parallels because um, like I probably said in the intro of this interview, you are Buzzfeed's own Mari fourth oh uh, on talking about the cookout um, earlier. Well, wow. Mm -hmm. Not even earlier this year, last year now at this point during BB 23. Um, and <laughs> the thing I, the thing I kind of wonder about is, kind of uh, if people are listening if they see the parallels between what you're saying with wrestling fandom and reality tv right now because we're seeing right. that diversity that's shifting the opinion like it's it's shifting to the point where it's like oh we don't just want to have black people because it's nice and because they add a different perspective and because they're diverse but like this black person, uh, t like I think of Tiffany as a great example from BB23, mm -hmm. could be the best player ever and could yeah. dominate strategically and come up with an unbreakable plan. Um, but I, I want to actually talk about the wrestling wrap up and mm -hmm. sort of from your perspective, like where did the seeds of that idea come from in RHAP? Because, you know, maybe my parallel, even though obviously as part of the wrestling wrap up from like the beginning of the podcast, like my parallel, I think is, is when I think about the black voices of RHAP podcasts, because when I applied and did my interview for RHAP, I talked about survivor and I knew like, I wanted to have a space to talk about social issues because that was mm -hmm. the thing that I did but I didn't actually really see that within RHAP before. And then a year later, after being accepted to the class of 2020 and becoming a podcaster, I got to do that. 
But I mean, it must be even more extreme for you. Like, when did you realize that wrestling could be a thing? And kind of what were the steps to bringing that to life? Because you're really, and what I always say to people, I, I honestly, I kind of, I don't want to say hate. Hate's a strong word. But it does kind of bother me when it's like when my name might come before yours in relation to the wrestling wrap up or where someone oh. might be like, someone might even be like, oh, Matt, like your podcast. I'm like, no, no, no. Mari's the boss here. Mari's the <laughs> boss. She's the EST of RHAP and the wrestling wrap up. But like, where did that the seed of the idea kind of start for, for you? And um, maybe we go from there, I guess. Yeah. Well, I guess the seed is I have to, again, I have to uh, shout out my husband, James, James yeah. Forth, um, and our best friend, like Havan. Um, they are the ones who got me back into wrestling. Um, both of them, my, my husband worked, uh, well, he went to school in like for the film industry and his, his best friend, Havan, he's a writer and he's an actor right now. And when when we all got back into wrestling, that's when we all would constantly talk and we were constantly like, oh, we could, you know, we could book this better. Like every wrestling fan yeah. thinks they can book it better, you know, yeah. and and they're writers. And we wanted to start we wanted to start our own wrestling podcast, but the timing didn't work. You know, production didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Like we were all busy. We all had different schedules. We had a great idea. Um, it's nothing like the wrestling wrap up <laughs> at all. Uh -huh. um, but it, it that's what sparked in me like thinking like maybe I could do a wrestling podcast you know what I'm saying maybe maybe I could do that um so when we became the class of 2020 and you know Rob was asking for you know if you have any ideas pitch to us I was like you know what I want to pitch a wrestling um podcast because it's something that Rob did not have on his channel it is very closely we talked about how it's very closely related related to reality tv mm -hmm. um even so far as we had reality tv stars both you know on wrestling and in reality exactly. you know vice versa um and I, and then you know you dm me and then that's how the you know the magic happened yeah. we we both just happen to be wrestling fans who are in the class of 2020 and I'm very, we're very lucky that worked out because I could have been, I could have went left, couldn't it? Because well, so <laughs> like, we didn't even know each other. <laughs> well, no, exactly. It could have been. And it's so funny because I think the way that I remember it and I did not, I'm actually, I'm you never going to go back to check. I'm never going to go back. It to was check, you first. Like, oh, I know it was me yeah. because I think if I had to assume anything, it was either I saw like wrestling fan in your I probably saw wrestling fan I think in your I tweeted bio. something I think Maybe I tweeted, tweeted something about something. wrestling mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god you're we're in the class of 2020 that's so cool yeah. and this was also for me I'll say this was at a point where I'd done a few of the BB23 podcasts and I never did live feed updates with Taryn right um I still don't do those just because like that's too it, much pressure it, yeah and, but also it's like the time of day too comes yeah. with that and it's just a lot of things and you know I uh I remember I messaged you and I was just like shout out hey that's cool that you're a wrestling fan like I'm a wrestling mm -hmm. fan but like not to the I mean I was a huge wrestling fan growing up mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm like at the peak of my rest well fandom is a very complicated word but I'm it probably is. at the peak of my wrestling fandom now in a lot of ways mm -hmm. right and you know one thing I wanted to bring up too is like I 
I genuinely feel, and this is kind of where I have to thank you. I genuinely think like I, there's a good chance I wouldn't have still been in RHAP if not for you and the wrestling oh. rehab of, which like mm-hmm. comes to mind for me. But like, it's literally like the butterfly effect of if there was no wrestling or half up, like mm-hmm. we're not talking about the, about young rock with Rob Cesarino, <laughs> uh, a year ago. Yeah. We're definitely not doing any of the wrestling podcasts. We're probably not podcasting together. Mm-hmm. I can't think of, we're not talking about the bachelorette. Yeah. Together later this year. Like there are all these different, we're not talking about the challenge or whatever. Yeah. Real the homecoming real home. two days yeah. ago or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and so. Like, I don't know. It, to me, I, I have to credit you so much for even just like still being an RHAP because oh. like, I don't know, like shout out to, to, I won't name names, but like the RHAP production team, maybe they would have called me up for survivor the top 40. <laughs> there's like, there's a chance, but like, yeah. I, I've convinced myself like, no, if not for the wrestling or half of, I would not still be an RHAP. So I have to like give you credit for that. Um, and I hope you take that rather than convincing me that my no, vision I, of reality is false because I, no, I really believe it. I will take a little bit of credit. However, I yeah. just want to point out that you are a great podcaster. Like everybody loves the, the voices, the black voices of RHAP. Yeah. You know, they're, they, they're so going to love pod friends when, you know, you know. Well, no, they, I mean, it's already, they love cool it. to, it's already, yeah. they already <laughs> love it. It's cool. It's cool to get the feedback too. And also, and wait, can oh, we point no. out how when we were in the My, My Weekly Meltdown and it was live, all of the comments were like, hey, ah! Matt, love your podcast. Oh, Matt, love it. Can't wait to hear Matt. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, well, uh, about, about, about time. About time. That's right, Mari. I'm like the, I don't know where I was, but I was on a podcast like a week or two ago. Actually, I think I was on was like, the challenge. The rea- yeah, the challenge, uh-huh. uh, the reality podcast, not the yeah. challenge we're half up. Yeah. And I made some comment where I was like, you know, I, I don't know what I was talking about. This is the thing about um, things like, you know, uh, just like the quotes, even oh, yeah. like we uh, like out of context type of things, except this was not mm-hmm. on out of context where um, I said something. I'm like, Mari, I would if I if I had to, I would be the Shawn Michaels to your Marty Janetti. And if people don't get that <laughs> reference, yeah. uh, Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Janetti through a glass window. Um, this is all storyline. He did it to get ahead. He ended up being yep. one of the biggest wrestling stars, Hall of, of Famers in history. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I feel like I might be at a place where I have to do that, but I think you're more of the Shawn Dang. Michaels. <laughs> I think you're more of the Shawn Michaels, <laughs> and I'm more of the Marty Janetti. So, I, and I'm I happy know. with it. I'm content. I don't I, know. I think we just really lucked out because we really did. Honestly, our podcasting did. styles are perfectly mesh with each other. They do. Just from like a production standpoint as well. Like you do all what I consider the heavy lifting. I mean, like, it's right back at you too. Yeah, like, right. What? Like, we have a guest this week? What? Yeah, exactly. Like we just perfectly complement each other. And I, and I love that. I, I, I love our rapport. Yeah. Uh, meeting you in person uh, as many times as we yes. had has just been the best. I just want to like hug you when oh. you're tall self yeah so i know seriously tall. you're tall too though but not as tall as uh, me but like yeah i'm like what <laughs> i'm like i i get i know what i'm saying yeah um but we no, truly this, truly lucked out and is, I, I, i'm so glad i couldn't imagine doing uh, you know the wrestling or happen with anybody else i agree and i think the cool thing about it too has not only been 
like podcasting with you and like but at, like the fact that we're still doing it because mm-hmm. it's just so cool to be able to like grow as podcasters and grow our voices and kind of become confident in them and how we speak because again when i think back to the class of 2020 what i know is that um and i i won't even name names but like there are certain people who day one a1 knew what their voices were mm-hmm. he's had they, it was so easy for them to find how they showed up with others it's like you hear this person on the live feed update you hear that person you hear that person on the recap okay how should i show up how should what should my voice be and i'm mm-hmm. i'm i kind of felt like i i knew but like doing the wrestling wrap up has been a cool way to really like truly solidify how we talk about things and it's made mm-hmm. us so much better and we still do it and people should still listen to it yeah. um but i you know beyond beyond that uh that beautiful that beautiful moment that we just had um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i want to ask like so mari do you mm-hmm. do you do you know how to drive stick i do my mom taught me very young because my mom used to just drive nothing but stick like that's literally all she would drive um i can't remember the story of why she why she used to do that i i think it had something tied to the military but she drove stick all of my life i think until she finally she like had mustangs and stuff like that until she finally relented and got like a an suv like a family car um but she loves driving stick and she taught me how to do it when i was very young so, so I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I can still do it. Could you speak more than one language? Okay, no, I'm like I'm like halfway through my Duolingo for for French. Like I told, I said in 2020, I was like, I am going to learn a language during the pandemic. <laughs> you know, one of those failed things like baking. Like I didn't bake, but you know how people tried. You know those hobbies you picked up in lockdown. Um, I'm I'm I say I'm pretty good at i've always been better at understanding languages like i took um what for the required four years of spanish i can understand it but i can never say it back you know what i'm saying so okay we'll work on it we'll Well, work on we're gonna have to have you work on that for when we decide i have the amazing race casting link pulled up here but we'll we'll come back to that phil kogan if you're listening call us because we don't have your number to call you. <laughs> but yeah, like beyond that. So, you know, we're, we, we're going to be on the amazing race one day. Shout out to everyone. Check mm. us out on season 40. Wee. I don't know what number of season it okay. is. Um, uh, we're going to beat Chappelle and Maggie um, yeah. and their team. And if they're, all else. They're, we're beating them. Yes. But, you know, Mari, like there's so much we could dive into. So much mm-hmm. more to talk about. I think one, one thing I want to do before kind of getting more to like the wrap up. You know, we're talking about wrestling and I, I'm so curious, actually, to be honest, like less about Naomi and your love for Naomi, mm-hmm. WWE, uh, total divas, superstar yeah. Naomi, um, about Sasha Banks. Okay. I want to talk with you about Sasha Banks. Okay. So she's your, she's your fave. Yeah. She is. It's kind of hard because Bianca is really like grabbing a hold of my heart right now, but yeah, we'll talk like, about Sasha. No, I know we have to leave Bianca. Look, Bianca's great. She'll be at Sasha's level at some point. But yeah. like, what is it for you about Sasha Banks that you love or that you see yourself in more broadly? Like, I think what 
I love about Sasha Banks is she is literally when I say she's the best women's wrestler, I'm I'm not being hyperbolic. Um, I think it's always been like, you know, her and in EO Shirai are always they're like, who's the number one in the world? You can make a case for either one. But Sasha is just I like her because she's great at her craft. She she's great at her craft. She's great at selling. She's great at putting people over. Mm-hmm. She's she's great at like giving you something in the ring. Like even if against opponents, she can she can wrestle a broom. We she's a broomstick wrestler. We know what this means. Yeah. And when you say a broomstick wrestler, it means you she can wrestle anybody and get a good match out of them. And that is one of the hardest talents to ever master. And the the main thing about this is she also has the attitude to back it up, like yeah. in character and out of character. You know, I don't know if you remember, it was like back in what, like 20, I want to say it was like 2017, um, 2018. Sasha was when she was getting that bad rap, like of maybe having like, like being a diva behind the, the scenes. Yeah. And then come to find out it was just like her, like, oh, like stating, you know, how she felt and, and literally about, she, yeah, she was like yeah. in the airport once and then people yes. made comments about her not wanting to take pictures and like with fans. Yeah. yeah. Like she I I love that she knows her boundaries and she states her boundaries, you know, from everything I, I heard of. I, I like that she isn't afraid to take up space in a room because for, for us as black women, like that's one of the hardest things we can do is um asserting ourselves in a, in a room no matter what the room is and i love that about her like not only are you sticking up for yourself are you being very loud about what you deserve and what you what type of respect you demand but she backs it up with actually being good yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. that's the biggest thing is backing it up and, and knowing she's even said it like having to work twice as hard to you know be given scraps even though she's better than you know some of the women who were given higher places on the card like but also mm. always fighting like she's always there's always footage of her in somebody's ring training like that that, i think that's the the biggest thing i like about her because she she knows that she always has to perfect her craft we were talking about on my weekly meltdown that you can always learn like you should never um not be willing to learn something new and that is one of the things i really love about sasha because she truly seems to always be trying something new and that's why she's my favorite women's wrestler but I think I think the thing that's cool about this, and one reason I'm so glad you're you're always oh god I'm I'm making myself sick because I'm just like <laughs> I'm gonna, about to compliment you and but you're you're always so great like I feel like I could set you up for anything but yeah. also um, what's great about that, that that I'm taking away is just that when people look at wrestling they they kind of often see something silly or ridiculous and like they don't see the depth of oh i actually find representation in this person in xyz ways exactly as a wrestling fan like the wrestlers and i've only been able to realize this and articulate this now but like the way that i liked x-men power rangers all that stuff when i was really young i switched over to like loving wrestling and reality Mm -hmm. tv like loving wrestling because I was able to see those same like superhuman characters, larger than life characters. Um, but you know, Mari, I'm gonna put you on the spot here really quickly as we kind of get toward the end of this. Okay, I want you to create a rehapsler for who 
So he, I'm going to give you an option. You know mm-hmm. what? No, no, no. I want it for yourself. I was going to give you the option of like you could do it for your husband, but I'm curious, like if you were a wrestler. So on the wrestling half, mm-hmm. we do a segment where wrestler mm-hmm. where Ari and I compete to come up with wrestling gimmicks. Mari always comes up with the best ones for our <laughs> Always because hers are better than mine. But, you know, a rapsler is basically like, what's that wrestler's character? What's their uh-huh. look? Um, what's their finishing move? Maybe what's their entrance? I already know you're probably coming out to formation by Beyonce. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but like beyond yeah. that, what would your rehab rehapsler for you be? Like, what would that wrestling character be? I think, um, I, you know, I'm going to make myself a, a manager that takes bumps because okay. I I love a good manager. Save role. your back. Save yeah. your back. Yep. Yeah. Like, f- first off, I like to talk. So, so I'm a manager and I have to specify one that takes bumps and like takes them often. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really into, willing to go MVP style. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. legit take the bumps. Um if I had to create my own rehapsler, I would also think I would be I don't I don't care. I would definitely do like militant, all black, take it back to a uh, nation of domination style, oh, honestly. Man. Yeah, uh you maybe like uh, get a playoff of like Black Plant Panther, you know, mm-hmm. um like, you know, like dark links or something crazy like Ooh. that, you know? And um I would love to be a manager for like the next biggie you know or lashley um just just being so pro-black that people just like you just it's just in their face you i don't like mari I, I don't <laughs> like mari but I, I i don't like her but i know there's something i don't like that you want that response where they don't like you like, but they don't they don't so know no you why. always yeah you always like think like do i want to be a heel or do i want to be a face like Everybody wants to be liked. I, you know, I want to be liked too. Yeah. But it's just so much fun, and you just have so much more wiggle room being a heel, you mm-hmm. know. But I also don't like that a lot of black wrestlers. People are like, ah, just turn them heel. You, you know, yeah. like people just, um, you don't have to be. It, just because you're black doesn't mean you have to be successful as a heel. So I would always, of course, love to be able to switch back and forth because those are my favorite characters. So I would love to be like a, a face as well. Um, but I, I would just have to do that because my life has been so pro black. You know, I, I was, I was raised in a household that I, my mom made sure I was taught the value of who I am very yeah quickly and very early and to have pride in that and you know not feel bad about having pride in who I am and trying to know my roots that's why my name uh you know I go by Mari but my full name is Mariama um which is Swahili and you know I don't have direct links to Africa because you know the whole ancestors slavery thing um (laughs) but my 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 parents always try to make sure that we had like roots and stuff like that which was probably another reason why i also went to an hbcu Mm. um and all of that so that's a huge part of my life and if that's if we're gonna you know turn it up to 11 that's what i would want to do i I would want to do that type of gimmick so i love that answer and it actually feeds into my last question really well Mm -hmm. um if your life were a book or documentary, Mari, mm, what boring. would the title be and <laughs> why? 
Why? I'm gonna um, keep stalling. Oh wait, you're you're ready. Look at this. Yeah, I'm ready. Mar- I don't Mari know. always ready. <laughs> no, no, Mari doesn't know. Um, <laughs> I am not good at coming up with titles. Uh, we, I think you established that last week. Uh, the title of my book. I believe in you. You've got it. It's all there. Uh, God, Look at I don't it. Know. Look at it. Um, and you know, as you think about that quietly, because I know as podcasters, we know that we can't have dead air. We have okay. to keep talking. <laughs> no, so I'm going to keep talking okay. right now. No, I'm going to, I, I like, I'll just, I just like that, that thought of just taking up space, you know, Damn. taking up space, you know, I like that. Just, I want to, I want to make sure if I'm, if I'm in a room, if I'm on a podcast, I want you to know that I'm here and I want you to know my viewpoint and it's, and it's my experience and I want to get that across. And I also want people to understand that when you are getting your experience across and when you are, you know, coming from a place of, of, you know, what you've seen and, and done and, and, and what you've, you know, been accustomed to, it's not to denigrate or or to uh put down somebody else's experience we, you know we talk about that on the wrestling rap a yeah. lot and we talked about it on my weekly meltdown but the first thing to understanding and learning each other is trying to understand each other's experiences first and foremost and you know not get defensive not automatically assume that my position is means i'm in opposition to you you know if i'm not directly in opposition because if I'm in opposition to you, you'll know. <laughs> uh-oh. 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 But that's just that's like one thing I, I, I feel like I, I definitely like want to get across. Um you know, I, I don't know where you're going next, Matt, but I do there are two points that I just really want to put out there while I have this platform that you've given me. Mari, this is the thing. If anyone, you know, just to get a little sneak behind sneak peek behind the curtain that if we were to go over to the wrestling or half up to like our google doc our show notes mm-hmm. it is probably something like 150 pages yeah, at this pages. point mm-hmm. um and it's only been a year of podcasting and this yeah. speaks a lot to mari so mari this is your the floor is yours this is your podcast i wish i could like flip in the again youtube version i wish i could flip us around like oh my so god it's not the series. i know it's not <laughs> but um but yeah like what what's on your mind i just want to talk about like um the healthcare system you know yeah. really quick and just like mari how- i just want to say first yeah. of all you you always i i like I hope people could understand before they listen to you how Uh many like knowledge bombs, how much wisdom, (laughs) how much thought that you drop on the wrestling wrap up alone, but also on all the other podcasts you're on. Yeah, Um, I try. So I'm sure people will listen, but I think they'll listen even more now that I interrupted you. (laughs) And now I'm going to stop. I just want to say, like, yes. our healthcare system is, like, right now, it, it is buckling under the weight of a pandemic. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, like, be kind to your, your healthcare workers, but also, you know, become a healthcare worker. You know, um, like I said, when I was growing up in it, and science was my, my favorite subject, they only told me about being a doctor or nurse. There are so many healthcare positions out there that you can do that does not require 12 years of, um, 
schooling. And I urge people, especially people who are, you know, just starting out or, or a lot of people didn't know this. That's why I really want to um, try and reach out to young people. You know, STEM is doing a great job with reaching out to young people about science and, and technology and all of that. But like, look into your hospital careers. Like I said, I'm a medical technologist. Half the time when I say that phrase, people have no idea what I'm talking about. We have a really bad shortage of medical technologists, just like we have a bad sh- shortage of nurses. But like, it is something that you can get, you you know, you get your four-year degree and then you can start immediately, you know, and um, I really want people to look into like, you know, radiology technicians, healthcare management, you know, medical billing too is very easy, you know, easy to get into. So really, um, if you can um, support your healthcare workers, uh, try and, you know, get your kids interested in science and STEM to help out. Also, there is a worldwide shortage on blood right now. So if you can mm-hmm. donate blood, especially black people, you know, unfortunately, underprivileged communities, black and brown communities are, you know, they don't, they're not able to donate as, as frequently, but that is very important. Um, I'm not going to go. I, I was my last four years of medical technology. I was, I worked in a blood bank. So all I did was match people's blood day in and day out. And there is a real benefit of having people of all races donate in order to find mat like perfect matches for people. So please, please, please get out and donate. Now I know the American Red Cross has some very outdated guidelines on some stuff. I do not agree with it. Yeah. However, you know, comma, but as, as Chappelle would say, like, uh, like you really, we really need help right now. Yeah. Um, um, with, with, with the way the healthcare system is, is going. And, you know, also, I'm, systemic racism in the healthcare system is a huge problem. And one of the ways to combat that is to get into the healthcare system and change it from within, change these outdated, um, uh, these outdated thought processes for treating patients, especially p- patients of different races. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not even going to go nowhere near our, our, our maternal death rate and how we have the highest maternal death rate in the developed countries and how it affects black women four times more than white women. Uh, education withstanding. It doesn't matter if you are high school educated or college educated black women, you know, or, or women of color, you are, greatly affected you know as somebody who had a child and it was very difficult um it is ridiculous so the one way to change the system is also to get into it and be that change Woo! and then finally um (laughs) i encourage i Uh encourage people to go to hbcus because um one of the things that I, I i know a lot of my friends who Come considered HBCUs, but ended up going to PWIs, which is uh, predominantly white institutions. Mm-hmm. They would say stuff like, you know, I was, I grew up thinking I wasn't black enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't fit in with the black people at my high school. The great thing about HBCUs is there's a myriad of black people that are so different. You know, you have your gamers, you have your athletes, you have your black Republicans, you know, you have the, that's the great thing about HBCUs. You get exposed to people from so many places. I met so many people in school. I, meeting like, legit New Yorkers like there's so many New Yorkers at Howard you know what I'm saying like it I don't know what the it was so funny that the you know new black Brooklyn. people from New York were so 
different in that's you know what they know what I'm talking about conversation yeah yes yeah but just I just encourage HBCUs as well um just because it is it is one of those experiences that you don't you you'll never get because you know not uh, the the world doesn't look like what HBCUs look like so I encourage people to go do that too so you know and if anybody's offended by that, you know, I, I can't help you. I, I, I talk about my experiences. I advocate for for me and my people and everybody. And I, I do believe in intersectionality. Of course, go check us out on my weekly meltdown where we talk about yeah. intersectionality. Um, but that's just something I want to talk about while we're here on Pathfinder. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mari, uh, mm-hmm. like before, as we wrap out, because I need to, yeah. you need to have the final word. Uh, could you like, <laughs> um, like, Okay, so on the wrestling wrap, if you always close us out and I physically <laughs> am unable to end this recording without you closing us out. So could oh, you God. just like do it? Oh, okay. Uh, bye, pod friends. Oh, that's it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your, your sign out is. I what? just gave you one. Is that not it? <laughs> sure. Okay, well, bye, everybody. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to Pod Friends. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mari. I really loved having this conversation. And as I said, I admire Mari. I'm so thankful for her. She is my RHP podcasting sister. And Mari, I just want to thank you for doing that interview. And I also want to give a special thanks to Will for Will from America for the theme song, Pod Friends, and also thanks to the RHP team, including Scott St. Pierre and everyone who's helping get pod friends out into the world and last but not least if you want to kind of connect with pod friends as i said at the top of the show follow at hey pod friends and also submit a nomination for guests you want to see on the podcast that's at bit.ly slash pod friends nom and you know let me know what you think i i hope that you could stay tuned because there are about six more episodes coming in this first season of pod friends before survivor 42 kicks off and i am really excited for you to join me on the journey of learning about um, not only the amazing people in this RHP community, but also learning more about ourselves through their stories. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks as always for being a pod friend.